Good evening, welcome to Archon Towers. Uh, Friday evening ahead of a Sunday kickoff, so uh, at least we get Saturday to look forward to uh, at the end of this uh, dark night. We're, we're not travelling anywhere this evening. Dark which is, night. Which is quite a nice feeling. It's got, you've gone a bit epic there, haven't you? <laughs> a little bit, haven't I? Yeah. Um, but, but you've got to be in Norwich City situation. They obviously head to Molyneux on Sunday. Uh, fingers crossed, everything is functioning right. You can hear us and uh, we can then delve into uh, everything uh, ahead of this trip to Molyneux, which is going to be an interesting one, I think, given uh, Wolves' <laughs> exploits last night. And they won uh, 4-0 against Espanyol. You might have saw the uh, the Ruben Neves volley uh, from that game in particular, which was an unbelievable goal. Uh, Norwich City, the next opponents to head there. Paddy, you were at Colney this, uh, this afternoon to listen to Daniel Farker talk about this fixture in particular. Uh, I suppose from your perspective, what, what were the key lines this afternoon? Well, to be honest, the key lines were not per se about Wolves and the threat, although Daniel did talk about you know how good a unit they are um, and that was emphasised. Anybody who saw those goals last night, Neves' goal, phenomenal bit of technique. Um, so I guess it wasn't anything that we didn't already know from, from what Wolves can offer. It was probably more um, one player who won't be out, who will be out for the season, Sam Byram, uh, undergone hamstring surgery or, or at the tendon uh, as Daniel said, he's been interrupted in his hamstring. Um, so that for me was that was probably key line number one. And then the other one was, uh, well, quite a, a lengthy takedown of Emi Buendia. Seven mm. minutes worth of answer uh, to the question from me uh, along the lines of, hasn't started the last two games. He was excellent for me. It was probably his best display in the Norwich shirt in the reverse fixture here before Christmas, uh, albeit in a losing effort. Is this now other planets now aligned that he comes back in at Molyneux? And that sparked, a, as I say, a very, very lengthy debrief from Daniel about where Emmy has been good this season, where he's been not so good, what he needs to improve on. And, and you're left with the sense that unless he does start to improve on those areas, he won't be starting at Molyneux on Sunday. And then inevitably the reaction subsequently on social media has been, uh, well, quite large and um, quite... Uh, sort of split. I mean, just, just judged on my timeline, there's a lot of fans who are not quite sure where Farker's gone with that and, and mm. re-emphasising about some of the numbers. And we've seen Opta Joe jumping on the bandwagon earlier this uh, late, uh, late afternoon about some of the numbers that put him right up there with some of the top players in Europe. But, you know, Daniel acknowledges all that, but then we'll throw back at anybody who wants to quote those type of figures. He hasn't scored a goal in 26 league games. Um, some costly losses of the ball in terms of, you know, what we saw against Villa and, Wal and Watford, sorry. Uh, and just generally, he doesn't think he's operating at peak Emi Buendia. And, and in Daniel's view, if he's not at 100%, he, he can get away with 95, Daniel said, in the Championship. You can still influence a game in a Championship uh, with 95% of Emi Buendia's best. But at this level, not for Daniel. And ultimately, as Daniel said, nobody needs to convince me that, He's a brilliant player with the potential to be a really top draw player, but he sees him every day in training. And right now, in Daniel's opinion, the team is more important than the individual and he doesn't feel that Emi Buendia is among the best 11 players. And ultimately, that's his decision to make. So you have to, you have to sort of really listen to his reasons why, whether you agree or disagree with them. And ultimately, discussing it there in the office earlier on, if they go to Wolves, Emi Buendia doesn't play, uh, they don't play very well and probably get beat, then you can be rest assured one of the first things that we've thrown at him is Emi Buendia needs to be in that team. So 
you know, it's brave from Daniel to come out and put put that. I mean, we'll probably get some questions. You know, what is his motivation? I've seen various sort of scenarios. Is he has he said these things as you would expect to Emmy face to face already mm-hmm. uh, and felt that the penny isn't dropping and so he needs to maybe apply a bit of pressure um, through the medium of the media um, or does he genuinely feel that you know maybe the guy has started to believe his own hype a little bit and, and needs to get his head down and continue to work because he isn't the finished article he's 23 years of age he's played his first season in the Premier League and there are aspects of his game he needs to improve on and I don't think as Daniel said that's not him accusing him that's really stating the facts so you can see it from Daniel's point of view but equally what Emi Buenia can bring to a team who are desperate for wins, it's a big call for me because I don't think there's too many other players in that attacking parts of the squad who, who potentially can offer what he does um, for all the accepted, not scored enough goals. Yeah, agreed. It, it was a, a lengthy monologue. Uh, Daniel can be guilty of that at, at times, can't he? We've, we've had it on a few occasions. I remember the, the infamous Nelson Oliviero on a, a couple of year, seasons ago. We're going back to his first season there, aren't we? Um, we will delve into Buendia in a moment, but of course, as, as Paddy uh, alluded to there, any questions, uh, comments, uh, I don't know, life choices, I suppose, that, that you want us to, to uh, ramble about for the next half an hour or so, uh, we will be at your service. We will try and be dictated as much as possible by uh, your comments. I see we've got a few in, which is uh, great already. But yeah, on Buendia, as you said, he's, he's almost opening himself up to criticism, isn't he? Because if yeah. Emi Buendia now doesn't play and and perhaps he's brought on again with 10 minutes to go and Norwich lose the game, then he does open himself up to criticism. But equally, if he does you know, play and, and does really well and, and scores a goal or two, then equally people are, are going to be uh, praising Daniel for, for his coaching. Yeah. So, so it's an interesting uh, sort of line that, that he's drawn here, I think, um, particularly given... Buendia's metrics and again there has been perhaps a, a lot of hype externally about his numbers that he's producing yeah. um, for me when, it, when a manager comes out or a head coach comes out and, and talks about a player like this it is to provoke a response they've tried to provoke a response out of them in, in different ways and this is um, now may, maybe not the last resort but maybe now his, his next option to try yeah. and get a, a response out of them. Absolutely yeah I mean that's my reading of the situation. I, I don't think Emmy Buendia will be either consuming the quotes or, or watching the video, and they're all there on pinkin.com now. Um, should he wish to consume? Should he wish to? Mm. I don't think he'll be, it, it, if and when he does, or the people around him do, uh, and, and flag them up to him. That won't be anything Daniel hasn't already said to him, because mm. there's, there's no way, from what we know about how Daniel operates with his players, he is brutally honest um, with them as, as much as he is with us in the media, and through us obviously connecting to his fan base. So. He would have said the same things to Emmy, and um, and you know maybe there's a, there's a calculated gamble there that uh, by now bringing that into more of a public forum and uh, and really putting the ball firmly in Emmy's court, um, we need to see a response. And what I would say is we saw a response, and Daniel referenced that again earlier today in in that monologue, as you say, when he did take him out the firing line after the Villa, after the Watford errors, um, only for a game or two, but he came back with a bang. And it was when he came back that Wolves came to Car Road, and he was, as I say at the risk of repeating myself, he was excellent that day um, against players like Moutinho, uh, you know, like Johnny, uh, then Donka, Diogo Jota, um, really top draw midfielders who, who were clearly, you know, quite rightly in a team that are operating at the top end of the table. He didn't look out of place and that's the, that's what he can on any given day show in the Premier League. I don't think Daniel feels that he's shown that enough. It's almost a backhanded compliment because he's basically saying, I know how good you can be I don't think you've hit the levels that you're capable of um, and we need to see that. And uh, I think if, you, if you're his manager, then 
you should take that in the spirit. I mean, he's, he's not done it to hang him out to dry or, no. you know, it's all to do with, for Daniel, the team, the collective and uh, and trying to drive the club forward. And if he feels um, he needs to go and apply some pressure in a more public setting, um, then so be it. But um, it really boils down to Emi Buendia being able to, to show everybody how good he is. And, you know, I understand about the... the, the what look on the face of it, some unbelievable numbers attached to his name and, and his output this season. Mm. Um, but ultimately, he has contributed to a team who has seven points from safety rooted to the bottom of the table. And it's not solely down to him, it's down to every member of that squad. But collectively, they are, at this stage, the worst team in the Premier League. And I don't think any player can have any real comeback if if Daniel Farker is, is questioning that they can do more. I think they all can do more, individually and collectively. So can Daniel and his coaches. And and they need to ultimately start him with Wolves on Sunday um, because the games are running out. And uh, if it isn't going to be a one-way ticket back to the championship, something needs to happen. There needs to be a spark. And maybe Daniel's looking at it and thinking this could be it. Light a bonfire under Buendia. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on in, in terms of uh, what you've said there. It's, it's interesting because we have to caveat everything he said by the fact that he, he did say that he was his biggest fan, didn't he? And, Absolutely. And that he, he is only looking to improve them. And I think when if, if most Norwich players uh, or most Norwich uh, supporters rather think of a, an improved Emi Buendia than, than we're getting onto quite a scary player, yeah. um, really. One comment that did stand out for me, though, was how he spoke about he needs to get beyond the final man and uh, referencing Timu Puki there, of course. Yeah. Um, I, I suppose there is an argument to say when you're the person providing those opportunities yeah. and providing those chances, it's then incredibly difficult to get beyond Timu Puki once you've <laughs> once you've provided him with a with a free pass, as we saw against Liverpool, I suppose, yeah. in that last eight minutes. Yeah, but again, you know, it, it's about elements of his game that he need in his craft that he needs to add to take him to the next levels. You know, you know, he is excellent at a lot of things. And Daniel did reel them off. You know, there's it shouldn't be interpreted as a as a, a rant or a you know a completely negative takedown of Emmy Buende. He he talked in glowing terms about the assists, the key passes, something that gets overlooked, the amount of turnovers he wins because of his work against the ball. Um and we've seen all of those facets in his pomp. Uh but there are other things of his game that, that do need to improve. And, and clearly, the top of the shop is the goal output. That needs to radically improve uh, to go to the next level. You know, he's getting, obviously, rightly put on a pedestal with the De Bruyne's and Deli Alley's in terms of maybe assist creation, if you look at the Premier League stats. But look at the amount of goals they've scored compared to, to a man who hasn't scored a goal. Um, that is clearly an area of his game. And, and to do that, you need to get into the box a bit more. And maybe that's in more general terms, what he's talking about is that he needs to get himself in and around the box. And the thing is, he's, you can see the way he plays. He's an intelligent, creative, uh, technically gifted midfielder. It should not be with it, with beyond this compass that he can add those elements to his game because he will need to, um, if he's really going to, as most people feel he's capable of, go and play for a very top club in mm. England or, or abroad. You know, you need to, to be operating at that level. You need to have, well-developed areas right across the board as a midfielder. And it's not just about creating assists. It's about creating assists and scoring goals and getting in the box. And yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe that's one part of Daniel's breakdown. I, I didn't quite agree with that getting beyond because as you rightly say, it's normally him who's providing the bullets for, for Timu Pukki. Mm-hmm. But um, that said, you know, he, he needs to get in the box far more when maybe the ball is getting worked wide and find himself on the edge of the box, you know, picking up bits and pieces um, yeah, I, I would disagree in general terms, but um, but yeah, if Daniel feels that's an aspect of his game that's lacking, then clearly it's something he needs to add. Yeah, I, I think there's been a few 
moments this season. Uh, I remember one specifically at home, I think against Aston Villa, where he picked up the ball on the edge of the penalty area and there was a wonderful shooting opportunity. Yeah. And instead of unleashing a shot, he, he opted to take a touch and to try and beat an extra man or find that clever pass. And again, it's it's not a criticism because he is still so young. I think we, yeah. we still talk about Emi Buendir as if he's a, a finished product. He's still, what, 22 years of age, which is incredibly young for a, a footballer. Still a lot of potential there to, to be sort of developed, I suppose, whether that's at Norwich or, or elsewhere. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's those fine details that, that he now needs to, uh, he now needs to work on. Just to cut across you there, Connor, I mean, it's popping into my head that we're asking him to do things that he can do because we've seen him do it in the championship. He scored, what, six or seven goals. Um, I can just remember off the top of my head that that was that wonderful um, acrobatic mid-air flick against Reading at Car Row towards the end of last season. Then he's ran on into the box and it's broken back to him from Timmy Pukki and bang, he's there scoring. Mm. Uh, that superb strike in that very tense win against Swansea. The ball's, I think, been cut back to him from on El Hernandez. He's arrived, you know, a yard or two inside the box. Emphatic finish near post. So they're albeit at a lower level and I think that's the point Daniel's making yeah, it's a step at, up. at the championship level he has all those elements to his game but going up a level yes maybe the, the assist ability has transitioned a lot easier than his ability in front of goal and uh, we can know he does it because we've seen it in the championship so that is the challenge you've done it at a lower level can you step up I suppose there's a, an argument to say he embodies Norwich City this season very pretty Absolutely. between the boxes but perhaps uh, lacks the ruthlessness uh, that's needed um Let's let's talk before we head into the comments a little bit about Sam Byron. Then it's a big blow, isn't it? Another defensive blow, and I, I suppose we can probably cover the injuries more generally here. Christoph Zimmerman, a major doubt, ninety-five percent. Yeah, uh, hamstring. Like, yeah, hamstring, and and then on El Hernandez with the same knee issue that's that's been troubling him for a little while. But I suppose Byron is the big one out for the rest of the season. That's a that's a massive blow, isn't it, for Norwich City, considering how well yeah. he's played since he's coming at left back. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. Norwich's, but well, you might say it's a very slim uh, runners and riders, but, but without a doubt, their best signing of the summer last summer. We obviously sat down and spoke with Stuart Weber there a couple of days ago, and he admitted that they didn't really do the business for Daniel in that window, um, letting down, as we saw with, with Patrick Roberts and Ibrahim Amadou swiftly returning uh, in January to their respective clubs and then on to further loans. But Byron, by some measure, was far and away. Uh, three quarters of a million pounds for a player who can play left back, right back and looks comfortable in the Premier League. He basically had Raheem Sterling in his pocket. Um, probably would have given Salah a very good uh, contest as well until he pulled up very abruptly and you knew straight away by his reaction. Um, there was no, God, I can run this off. It was straight away signalling to the bench. He's obviously had one or two injury problems in the past um, and it's just a shame for the lad that his season is curtailed in, in such a brutal way. And for him personally, a big blow. Um, is it going to be a big blow for Norwich? Well, for me, that really depends on whether Jamal Lewis can grasp the nettle and mm. to give him his due, given he was more or less thrown in at the deep end against Liverpool. Yeah. I thought he was good that day and uh, spoke to him at length with Daniel today earlier at Colney and, and Daniel said it had been very tough for the past two or three weeks, he said, in training before Liverpool, he was pretty much Norwich's best player. Um, but he just couldn't drop Byram or, or Max Aarons on the other side and now he'll get his chance. And in the bigger picture... This period that Jamal's gone through when he was for club and country first choice and there was never a debate, but the fact now he's had a rival, he's found himself in the shadows. It was all like talking about Crystal Palace in the window, just gone. Um, it just might be in terms of a young person's career and ups and downs. And we're talking obviously about Amy Buendia and he's had a few peaks and troughs. We might now see a, a Jamal Lewis who's an improved product on what we'd seen prior because he's, he's felt a setback for the first time in his, in his career and 
and he's had to buy his time and maybe go and reflect on what areas of his game that aren't good enough and why is Sam Barham getting picked ahead of me? And and if all that coalesces into a player who is, you know, an upgrade on what we'd seen before and, and he was not too shabby before, was he? It's just that mm. maybe his confidence got hit a little bit with, with the early parts of the Premier League season and then, of course, Sam Barham came in at Man City and will be on the other side, but, uh, but never looked back, really. And that's the nature of the beast. Sam probably got his opportunity because of, I mean, Jamal had an injury or two, didn't he, as well as a bit of a lack of confidence. Didn't look back. Roles reversed now. Sam's not going to play anymore this season. It, it's really there for Jamal to stamp his mark on it. And um, overall, I think if we see the Jamal we saw against Liverpool, and I, I don't think I'd be too concerned, albeit, yeah, Sam Byron was was an excellent addition. Yeah, I, I wrote about this yesterday, this uh, this very topic about Jamal Lewis. I think it's an, an interesting point in his Norwich City career for the, for the reasons you've, you've just alluded to in yeah. terms of the setbacks that he's had to face. Uh, equally, I think we've seen with Max Aaron's him go through almost a, an education in, in terms of how he's had to adapt to life in the Premier League. He was very gung-ho, very uh, swashbuckling in, in terms of his runs last season. He's actually had to sort of adapt and become a bit more switched on yeah. defensively. I think one-on-one he's improved no end. I mean, that night at... Uh, uh, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. He he was tremendous. Uh, he was immense, rather. Um, and 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 now Lewis has to go through the same thing, doesn't he? Yeah. And and has to um, show that he can contribute to Norwich's attacking phases because that's going to be crucial in terms of in improving that ruthlessness that we've all spoken about and that Daniel's spoken about at length. But equally, he's he's got to make sure that that isn't at the expense of his his defensive duties yeah. as well. So it's a really interesting time for him. Uh, it was interesting to hear Farker say how he's been training well. It's been difficult to leave him out. Um, I would imagine for him personally, it's probably been quite a, a difficult period. Uh, that Burnley game at Turf Moor after the Manchester City, yep. uh, uh, well, whatever we're going to call that Manchester City game, um, really sticks out in my mind. The amount of stick he got there, uh, he, he was almost a subject of ridicule, ridicule yeah. for, for some of his uh, misplaced passes and, and how he's had to respond to that. He's had, had a lot of challenges this year and it would be nice to see him in the last 12 games, put them, put them behind him yep. and him to well now we know he's going to get a run at it he knows he's going to get a run of him that might install the confidence Absolutely. he needs for the remainder of the season right let's uh, delve into some of the comments then uh, Luke Fisher has kicked things off we did fantastically against Liverpool so I think we can win or draw, but I admit we're going back to the championship. That's a nice positive way to kick you off. You picked a good one there, Connor. <laughs> I did, yeah. Started to mean to go on. on was that Luke, was it? Uh, on, it was Luke. Luke, yeah. It's a Friday night. Positives, Luke. man. It's not over uh, yet, is it? Uh, Liam has said, uh, who plays left-sided centre-back? Do we think yet? Yeah, this is, of course, something we haven't touched upon. Uh, Hanley or Godfrey, conscious of uh, Adama Traore bombing down the wing yeah. and uh, Matt Doherty cutting inside. Seems to be a common theme this season. Yeah, I think the way Wolves play uh, in terms of they well essentially Nuno sees the games in triangles, doesn't he? And, and they work to really overload one area before switching to Doherty. I think uh, last season he scored the most goals of any Premier League fullback or, or wingback, so that says it all. But in in terms of the defensive conundrum, looks like Christoph Zimmerman's going to be out. Yeah, we're we're talking about a, a Godfrey Hanley partnership, yeah. which considering the way those two played at the start of the season may not fill too many Norwich City fans with confidence. Although admittedly, yeah. Grant Hanley was was probably playing and Ben Godfrey. With a few fitness issues. Well, agreed. And I think the Grant Hanley who we saw at Liverpool compared to the Grant Hanley uh, at Anfield, sorry, uh, compared to the one we saw last Saturday, chalk and cheese, and uh, and that's simply because a his injuries are firmly behind him, and b he he knows that you can just see how he's carrying himself on the pitch. That 
he feels confident in his body that it's not going to break down. And with that comes a regular run of games and a consistency performance. So, for me, he's, he's Norwich's top centre-back at present and it's who plays alongside him. And if Zimmerman is, by all accounts, not going to make it, then really it's the next cab off the ramp, Ben Godfrey. That's an interesting point, though. I, mean, I hadn't really thought about it in those terms, but given the speed that Wolves have and the thrust and the injection, um, I think you'd want to be having Godfrey down that side just because he's more athletically... Um, able possibly to deal with that and big Grant you know what I would say is you don't he doesn't often get caught out Grant but you wouldn't want him in a leg race with Adama Traore would you well so, I don't know if if, if, if Traore takes every touch and there's a 50-50 there I don't well, know that's, that, that would be some feel battle, that wouldn't stand, it I would imagine yeah <laughs> I that, think you're that right. would be a meeting of minds that <laughs> but uh, yeah for me it would probably be Han, Lock Hanley onto Raul Jimenez um, big strong tough centre forward so he'd have a bit of a battle with him and then you know, Ben Godfrey, as you say, maybe just uh, giving Jamal a bit of assistance with Adama Traore. Yeah, Traore is obviously the, the major threat. Jimenez is an interesting one, isn't he? Because as you said there, he's, he's almost a, in an old-fashioned mould yeah. of someone who likes to play with his back to goal and, and spin and get into the box. and uh, With quality. Absolutely, with quality. yeah. Although I read earlier that um, none he hasn't scored a goal this season that has put Wolves in front. He hasn't scored the opener in a game. Right? They've all been equalisers, apparently. Uh, he has put Wolves in the lead, but not the first goal in the game, which is interesting. Uh, let's delve into some of the other comments. A uh, fair few people seem to be uh, stating that if, if Timu Puki would have converted a few more chances, then this conversation around Emi Buendia that we've been having would be different. I'm not entirely sure, simply because Daniel opted to point out his goals as opposed to his assists. I think, as, as you said at the, yeah. at the top end of, of uh, this, this live video, that actually his assists and his chance creation, he, he was very uh, complimentary about. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, on to the other attacking midfield, although Todd Campwell, uh, Luke, again, has is, is come in and asked uh, three years' time. He thinks he's going to be a terrific player. Um, Todd's going to be an interesting one, I think, about A, what they do with him, and B, what he decides to do should Norwich end up back in the Championship. What, yeah. what do you make of him and perhaps his, his progression from this point? Well, I mean, again, Stuart Webber made it clear there'd been no firmer offers for any of those young players in January, but the reality is... I think in the summer there probably would be um, something more than, than endless speculation and rumours uh, because ultimately, even if Norwich collectively are not good enough, Cantwell, Aaron's potentially, uh, Wendy are all <coughs> young players with enough potential uh, and a body of work behind them that, that, that they would be interesting Premier League clubs. So purely talking about Cantwell, I don't see the Liverpool link. Uh, I think that that would be a bridge far too far too soon for for the young man. But as as Luke I think mentioned there, he continues at this rate, given what he's done. You know, from a position where he wasn't a frontline option for Norwich last season, if he can accelerate in terms of his career from last season to this and continue that rate of progression, then maybe in another two or three seasons, you're talking about the absolute upper echelons of the English game. But I I don't think. I don't think a Cantwell moving to a top six club now is likely uh, for me in the summer. Um, I don't think you'd get anywhere near a top six or 11 at the minute. Um, and what you wouldn't want if you were trying to advise the lad is, you know, you've seen it too many times with, with Scott Sinclair and, and these type of players where they get a big move. And, well. Yeah, exactly. They get a big move and financially that maybe sets them up, but you know, their career stalls and, and they, they get limited opportunities and then you roll on 12 months later. Dare I say Patrick Roberts, you know, he mm. left Fulham with a huge reputation, but it hasn't happened for him at Man City. Yeah, great In, incredibly difficult to get into that 11 and, and now his career is sort of meandering a little bit. So, 
you would be wary of that if you were anything to do with Todd and his advisors and his family. But if you know, if a Liverpool did come calling this or a Manchester United, what can you do as a young player in the summer? That's it's a major head turner. So I think you'd need to do a little bit more. I think Steve McManaman did a piece, didn't he? To, uh, I don't quite know where. I think we picked it up though earlier in the week, and, and he basically said probably he'd be one who'd be on Liverpool's radar. Inevitably, a young English homegrown player who's scored six or seven goals in the Premier League and has shown he's got the technical ability to step up, but he's still potential. And I don't think if you're Liverpool et al, you're necessarily looking at him as, as a player you want to bring in here and now. He's one you monitor, I think. Yeah, uh, Melissa Reddy, who is the independent, isn't she? She's, uh, yeah. she's very reliable around Liverpool, said, uh, all the, again, pretty much what McManaman said, a, a player of interest, but perhaps not one for the immediate future, given that particularly they've got uh, Harvey Elliott and um, Curtis Jones coming through and they don't want to block their pathway. Um, yeah, that's that's. I, I think Todd's an interesting one because he's got to prove for himself that this isn't just a one, yeah, a exactly. one-off season. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, because there, there are so many players that burst onto the scene, particularly yeah. at this level. As you said, there get a, get a big move or get yeah. linked to a big move, and then suddenly that height fades away. So he's going to have to now turn this into consistency. And you can almost contrast him with Buendia because he's perhaps scored the goals, but his chance creation isn't as good. Although it's, it's still been pretty impressive, considering where Norwich are on the table. Um, almost they, they need a little bit of each other I think, yeah. to, to give it, to give them a boost. Um, Matt on the Buendia point has said, I think uh, when he was dropped before, he returned a better player. I think yeah. Daniel is having to manage him carefully. Some of the most gifted players don't have the self motivation when uh, the back is against when their back is against the wall. An away game against Wolves is always going to be quite defensive anyway. So I would be surprised to see him on the bench at the start simply for tactical reasons. I think in this as well, it's worth noting. Perhaps beyond that Liverpool game, Lucas Rupp has been fairly impressive with what he's done, I think. Solid, yeah. In yeah, terms yeah. of contributing to Norwich's defensive yeah. phase more than perhaps what he offers them in, in yeah. their attack, but made it although made a good run at Spurs, didn't he, for, for the penalty that was awarded. He did. Um so that's that's worth bearing in mind as well. A few people suggesting Puki perhaps should be the one who's uh, in uh, in Daniel's line of fire as opposed to Buendia, which again is an interesting one given the goals he scored. Um just trying to See, Liam has said, I generally can't see why we can't play two up front. We've got nothing to lose. I suppose then you're talking about balance in midfield, aren't you? Because that's yeah. where Premier League games are, are won and lost in, yeah. in this day and age. Um, yeah, the, <laughs> someone's asked about Fury or Wilder from a boxing perspective. But, uh, <laughs> that's, that's another what's, video. What's your thoughts, Connor? My thoughts. Um, I'm obviously bored about us talking about. Well, much. maybe maybe they are. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see the fight going in a very similar way as the first one. To be honest, I think yeah. Fury will, will hang in there. Won't I don't. It? I'm not buying. I think Fury's trying to double bluff. He's giving it that he can't win a decision over there now. Bearing in mind how the first fight went, so uh, he's gone. He's going for the knockout potential, but I don't think you want to be messing about with Wilder with his right hand. So why would you want to get into that type of fight? So I think he might that might be the old double bluff and he'll try and dance around for twelve rounds. Get the yeah, I, I think uh, I yeah, I think I, I favour Fury at this moment, unless you mean Chris Wilder, in which case that's a completely different <laughs> fight, I think. Um yeah. what what do you make then on uh some people's suggestions about Pookie? Um because I think it's a fair point. Since that Leicester game and that toe injury yeah. Not really. I mean, I think Tony pointed out no open goal since New Year's yeah, Day yeah. against Crystal Palace. Uh, not Crystal Palace, rather. I'm talking about Campbell here, aren't I? Uh, Norwich haven't scored an open goal since New Year's Day. Well, but he hasn't, has he? Got two, no, he hasn't. two penalties, right. hasn't he? Yeah, yeah two yeah. penalties. Yeah. So he hasn't scored an open play since yeah. that Leicester game, sorry. Yeah. So that's it's a fair point to be Absolutely. raised, I suppose, isn't it? That yeah. Wendier can keep carving these opportunities, but ultimately you need someone with a bit of end product at the end of them. And I imagine if you, you are Emmy Wendier and you, you feel a little bit aggrieved by, by 
Daniel's line of uh, you know observation, then you might want to come back with that um, because we saw it, it just go back to last Saturday. He's come on, he's on the pitch however long, but he's threaded a wonderful pass through for Timu. And uh, you know, I wouldn't sit here and sort of criticise a man who scored the amount of goals he has, but <laughs> it, it was pretty much straight at Allison. Um, you know, maybe Van Dyke's presence slightly put him off a little bit, snatched at it a touch, but. I just think if that had been in the championship, he'd have probably slotted that inside the near post and would be, you know, raving about the Buendia Puki partnership again. And it's a fair comment. And I don't think anybody could disagree. You know, we're talking about Buendia in terms of numbers and stats, and these are good stats, these are bad stats. You know, to have no goals in open play since early December when he's had plenty of chances. Newcastle, how many chances did he have at Newcastle? Yeah. Um, you know, so for me, that is a major concern because if he doesn't score, they don't really have enough about him in open play and hence why, you know, they are where they are on the table and uh, their output on the road, worryingly going to Molyneux on Sunday, I can't think off the top of my head, but is it six or seven goals? They've scored all season. Mm. They're the only team in single figures goals scored on the road and that is a major concern Sunday and the rest of the season. Um, what can you do? Daniel's been asked this, you know, you keep doing the same things. He keeps saying, he's, you know, after after Newcastle, I asked him specifically and he said, well, it's hard to replicate going through with one-on-one in front of 55,000 at St. James's Park when you're doing it on the training ground, but you just have to continue repetition, repeat the processes. But ultimately, what it probably boils down to is they don't have enough quality in that final third and, and, and probably too much over-reliance on Timu and maybe that burden has begun to weigh heavy. You know, he's done a lot of games. You did that piece about how many minutes he played for club and country mm. recently. And um, he looks like a player who's in desperate need of a break. And sadly, with Finland off in the European Championship in the summer, I don't think he's going to get one. So that would be a concern moving forward. But what can you do? I mean, he is still by some measure Norwich's best striker. You have to continue to keep yeah. playing him and hope, uh, you know, hope something clicks and, and he gets gets a goal and gets back in the groove and then confidence maybe comes back a touch as well. Even though he's an experienced player, it must still be weighing heavy on him a little bit. Mm. He won't need telling his output in general open play isn't good enough since since that Leicester game. And you can only hope that something clicks and, and away we go. And, you know, he has a nice little productive burst between now and the end of the season. Yeah, I, I mean, for for all the praise that Jimenez has got this season, I think he's got the same amount of goals, hasn't he, as Timmy Tuki? So right. it's uh, an interesting debating point, I think. Um, and, and it probably is a credit to Timu and, and what he's done this year that we're even in this situation about talking about a, a lack of goals because that, that step up wasn't guaranteed. And I think he's proven certainly in, in that first half of the season, maybe a bit of doubt at the moment, but certainly in that first half of the season that he's capable of playing at this level. And in order for Norwich to play the way they, they wish to play, he is so important to, to link in their midfield and, and what he offers from a technical perspective. Um, okay. He's got, he's got flaws as well as, as does every player. And, for me, I'd have liked to see a bit more variation. I think when you're in the Premier League with all the analysts and all the attention, you yeah. you can almost get caught out. And, and he does have that very um, similar type of finish where he goes across the keeper quite low, aiming for the bottom corner. I think that may have been um, picked out. There were certainly a couple of uh, moments at, at Newcastle where he, certainly in the first half, where he ran away. And I think he probably yeah. took a touch too extra. So maybe it's confidence as well. Yeah. Maybe it's fatigue. Maybe it's mental fatigue. I think there are so many elements to it that that we could discuss, but ultimately Norwich City need him in their side because I think the, the alternative, Josip yeah. Dermic, we haven't seen much of, but I mean, he's a completely different mould of striker. Is, I, th- yeah. I think we saw at Burnley, there were some moments um, and, he, and he did play well that day, Dermic, I thought for the most part, but there were some moments where 
perhaps Norwich would feed him a ball that they give to Timu Buki. And well, that one after about seven seconds absolutely. from Mario Vrancic. Well, sort of ricocheted back mm. towards him and he's basically got Joe Hart to be on the edge of the box and slapped it just wide, didn't he? So. That's it. Yeah, and, and there were moments in general play as well where he'd receive a ball and they'd, they'd perhaps make movements similar to what they would with, with, with Puki up front and it didn't quite click in the same way. So... It's it's a difficult debate. I think I think it's, it's one of those that when you're not winning games, it's it, it gets pointed out gets pointed out more. But uh, we shall see. Um, someone asking about Onel Hernandez very quickly. We'll probably wrap it up soon. Yeah. But uh, Onel Hernandez, where are we at with him? It's uh, it's not looking great again for the Cuban. No, no. I mean Daniel basically said he um, suffered a problem with his knee in tr- midweek. So you assume in training um, came back. I then asked Daniel, bearing in mind that he'd had the knee issue that ruled him out for months earlier in the season, that freak sort of accident back at his home. Was it falling down the stairs or climbing <laughs> the stairs? Or, Trip um, to Argos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Daniel basically said it was the same knee, um, which immediately sets alarm bells ringing um, if he's suffered a similar type of injury. Um, but Daniel said he basically now set to go and see the same specialist he saw before and until that's um, been completed and further att- uh, tests have been undertaken, then it's they can't give a precise diagnosis, but I think you can safely say he won't be involved on Sunday. He hadn't trained. That was Wednesday, I think Daniel said. He hadn't trained either Thursday or today, Friday. So it's very hard to see how, in that scenario, he's going to be in contention. Um, but more worryingly, would be moving forward if, if if it is something akin to what he did before, then then you would have to say his season's probably over as well. Yeah, you fear for players of his mould when they get knee injuries, don't you? Because of the way they turn and, and the pressure that puts at the pace they go yeah. they go at as well. So that, that is a concern. But hopefully uh, he won't be ruled out for too long. Certainly not as long as he was last time. Yeah. Because I think we saw Norwich did lack that impetus from the bench of something a little bit different in attacking areas. And mm-hmm. even though they've got Lucas Rupp, they could probably do with, with probably another attacking well, option means, on the bench. Probably means Josh Martin now, doesn't it? Yeah, it probably Ultimately, does. Yeah, and, and we have uh, been been seeing pictures of him training this week as yeah. well so that, that's a, that's a good shout um colin has said uh, how are we going to start scoring goals we don't stand a chance with our current forward play um must score to amass points yeah it's, it's the big question it's a, a question and really that and a problem and, and we'll end after this question um that probably Norwich supporters and, and probably we didn't think they would have given how free-flowing they were last season and, and how yeah. uh, how they play football, I suppose. It is geared to attacking teams and giving teams a, a real good go, but actually translating that possession and, and, and the chances that we've spoken about a length of Emi Buendir into goals and into outputs has actually proved difficult. Well, you say what we saw last season, we actually saw it at the start of this season, take mm-hmm. Liverpool aside. You know, how, how good were they against Newcastle down here that day? Um, first home game, completely wiped the floor with them and added the productivity and Timu Puki was pivotal to that. In fact, you know, that was the hat-trick day, wasn't it, off the top of my head? So, yeah. they managed to translate it in the early weeks. Chelsea, they scored two goals, didn't they, at Carrow mm-hmm. Road and unfortunately uh, got caught out at the end there and got beat 3-2, but I don't quite know. I mean, there's a bit of a parallel with that Alex Neal season for me increasingly where, where they were good through August and September and then they just hit the buffers a little bit and then that that particular season, 15-16, uh, was just this January onwards was just a long, low, slad, tr- slow trudge uh, back to the championship and uh, it hasn't quite felt like that over the second part of this season but in terms of what served them so well coming up out of the championship, hasn't quite translated to the degree it needed to to maybe mask some of the deficiencies which were obviously conceding goals and you'd actually say now thinking about it 
defensively they look a lot better than probably they were in the <laughs> yeah. championship last season. You know, so the last month or so of action um, probably to coincided with Grant coming in and looking so consistent. They look quite solid without the ball, but conversely now the the hunt for goals at the top end of the pitch has has continued to 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 prove too elusive. And you know, I think we come back to that they're probably not just not quite good enough collectively and individually in terms of the quality you need at this level. Stuart Weber again touched on it when we spoke to him in the week. He picked out the Palace game. You know, they they battered Palace home and away yeah. for the most part, uh, and Palace were just economically one or two chances in both games took their chances and they ended up, you know, getting four points from six when conceivably Norwich, if they'd have converted the, the weight of possession they had in both those games and the chances, it should have probably been the other way around. And that ultimately, I think this probably season will go down as a series of missed opportunities within games yeah. and then the season as a whole. But they have been good enough in a lot of facets, but in the key moments within games, most notably, again, Wolves here at Car Road, Rui Patricio, how many saves did he make that day? Went in one nil up, could have been four or five quite considerably, um, and they end up walking off at full time, getting beat two one, and that unfortunately has been the story in Archie's season. And with that, we head to Molyneux. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> no. Well, well, we uh, we started the comments on a on a downbeat note, and uh, it seems uh, fitting to end them as well to bookend that a little bit. Um, thank you for for all your comments. Thank you for watching as well. Enjoy a, a rare Saturday off. Well, I say that we we had a Saturday off a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Um, but yeah, enjoy your, your Saturday off. I'm, I'm sure it would be uh, nice to, to watch some other games of football or, I don't know, go and do something else. I, I don't know what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, really. I feel a bit lost from home on a Saturday. I'll be, feel quite right. I'll be under the covers with a paracetamol and a uh, cough mixture. Well, you've, you've got for it. You've got for it. I know, what a trooper. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, thank you very much for watching. Um, Pinkin.com, your, your place to go for everything pre-match. Um, as we uh, look ahead to Sunday, Norwich in, in last uh, chance saloon territory now, definitely, if, if they are to uh, stage some great escape, it would be a great escape from here. We'll see you all at Molyneux on Sunday. Uh, enjoy your Saturday.